Okay, tonight I want to deal with, and it's going to be a combination of two things, but I primarily want to deal with another weapon in your warfare. And I've been dealing now for quite a few weeks on different weapons. And the problem is this, is a lot of Christians know weapons. Mentally we know a lot of stuff, but we don't actually use them. When the problem comes, or what we do is we use the weapon after we've been attacked and clapped. How many of you first get clapped and then you just go, Oh shucks, I better do something about this. And then you start fighting. And you look again and go, Yes, by now your house is in wreck and ruin, your business is in wreck and ruin, everything's in a mess. And you go, Oh God, I better start fighting. And then you quickly go and haul out something to try and do something with it. Okay, so I want us to start understanding, whenever I teach you something, I need you to be proactive with that thing from onset. This is not a reactive army. It's not like you first clap me and then I'll go and do that. The Bible says that you are supposed to protect your edges. There should not be anything coming in. If it's coming in, it's your fault. Scary, but it's true. The Bible says that Adam and Eve had to guard the, um, the garden. And then the snake came in, so whose fault is that? Adam's. Okay, he had got instruction to guard it. And because he didn't, he got into trouble. Job built the hedge around him spiritually. And the Bible says, the thing that I feared most came upon me, Job. So he made a hole in his own hedge. So I want you to understand that we are supposed to be proactive in our attack. And looking after our area of domain of authority that God wants us to look after. So tonight, I want to deal with another weapon, and that is the weapon of peace. Now this is a very strange one, because most people do not see peace as a weapon. Most people do not understand how this can be used as a weapon. But I want you to have a look at this thing. Ephesians, uh, sorry, Philippians. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 first. And I want us to, if you've got your Bibles, please come with your Bibles, highlight stuff, make notes. Alright, get one Bible that you can scribble in and then one Bible that you go and study, you know, you write or hear from God with. Okay, because you need to take notes. Philippians chapter 4 verse uh, 7, it says this. It says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now everybody knows that. The peace of God will guard my heart and mind. Now, what does that mean practically? Why must peace guard my heart and mind? Well, let me tell you something. That what you are seeing in today's world will not give you the answer to what you need. Now, what do I mean by that? Let's go to Romans chapter 8 and I want to show you this. It's critical that we get this tonight. Romans chapter 8. Listen to this, verse 6. And please take notes or either get the MP3 from us. Make sure that you get this in your hearts. It says this, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. But the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. Okay, now this sounds very technical and heavy. Let's make it simple. What does it mean to be carnally minded? It means to think in the natural. Okay, let me make it even more simple. Anything that has to do with your five senses lead you to a carnal mind. 
So what I see, what I hear, what I touch, what I feel, is, and what I taste is going to bring me to a natural conclusion. A carnal mind means a natural way, a natural response. So how many of you, whenever something bad comes, you look at that thing and go, Oh shucks, I'm in trouble. Don't you do that when there's trouble. You go, oh shucks, he has a problem. Or a doctor comes to you and says, listen, you've got cancer and you're going to die. Your natural hearing of it is going to make your carnal mind go in a direction. Am I right? Alright? So what do we do? The problem is this, is not what happens when your carnal mind gets fed some information. The question is, what do you do when that information comes in? When your natural senses tell you something. Do you know what happens with most of us? We try and solve it in our natural way. Come on, who's trying to do that? Okay, we've got a problem. Our business has got a problem in, so what plan can we make here now? What can we do to make this thing? Can I work harder? Can I market harder? Can I you know, do whatever? Do I have to retrain some people? Whatever it is. So what we do is we immediately start working out what we can do. That is called the carnal mind. That is the carnal mind and the carnal way of doing it. Now the Bible says, listen to this, your carnal mind is enmity, in other words, it's an enemy against God. Now let me tell you something. Most of us operate in that carnal mind quite well. Most of us operate in our natural senses or our upbringing quite well. And so God says this, I don't want you to operate on your carnal mind because, look at verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. It is going to kill you. Your world way, your natural way is going to kill you. You will never get a spiritual breakthrough if you try and do it in the natural. How many of us have tried to work it out in the natural? All the time. Come on, if somebody says to me, you've got to be spiritual about it, people think you're a fruitcake. Come on, your business is going bankrupt, so suddenly everybody goes to fast and pray instead of trying to work hard. And they go, listen, there's something wrong with you. Why aren't you doing the normal thing to try and fix this thing properly? And you, all you're doing is taking time out to go, hear what God says. Listen, this is not a God issue, this is a natural problem. Come on, that's what they will tell you. And yet God says... To be spiritually minded is life and peace. Now when a battle comes with your carnal mind, one of the emotions that is going to grip you is going to be fear. I can guarantee you. Let somebody give you some bad report and you're going to have some fear in your heart. If somebody says that your business is going down or you get your, your, your family is falling apart, whatever it is, you're going to have fear gripping your heart somewhere. And God wants us to have peace in the midst of a storm. Come on, let's take a good example with Jesus when we start talking about carnally minded stuff. Let's use a good example. Yeah, it's Jesus falling asleep in the boat in the midst of a storm. And remember that the disciples that were with him were sailors. They were not some business oaks who decided to take a chance out on the boat. These oaks were fishermen. They knew the seas. They knew what was going on. When Peter and them decided that the boat was going to sink, I promise you it was a good chance it was going to sink. Come on, do you believe me? So they decide, listen, this is a serious storm. We have got to wake the Lord Jesus up now. There is trouble. 
That's carnal mind, rational thinking. Storm, boat sinking, we better wake up just so we lose the master. Can you imagine, I'm the one who killed the Christ (laughs) by mistake. Come on, that's the natural way. What does Jesus do when he wakes up? He rebukes them. He didn't say, thanks guys, I appreciate this, let's take care of the situation. He rebukes them, he says, you are little faith. Now what does he say? Peace, be still. And immediately everything stood calm down. So what happened there? Jesus Christ did not go with any of the senses. He did not go with any of the natural symptoms that were around him. He commanded them to come in line. But what did he have? Jesus Christ had total peace in the midst of the storm. He didn't have any issue with the symptoms around him. Even though they were real and they were life-threatening. They were literally life-threatening in that situation. Remember there was another time when they wanted to throw Jesus off a cliff. And the religious folks were trying to push him off a cliff. And Jesus just walked right between them. He had total peace. Because he knew what he had to do. And he knew this wasn't his time. And the natural circumstances were not an issue for him. Let me tell you something. That is not easy to accomplish. Come on, how many of you in the middle of a major battle in your life can have total peace and go and sleep nicely and not have an issue? Oh no, this is not a problem. I'm going to sort this out. Let me tell you something, every one of us will be panicking and sweating and just absolutely not knowing what to do. This is why the Bible says, let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. It says that the peace of God will guard and protect and keep your heart. Okay? I need a peace to protect my heart. Now let me tell you now how this works. What does the Bible say about the heart? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What happens when I speak? I get what I say. Publicly the Bible says you have authority over your words. Whatever I say, I'm going to get. So whatever's in my heart is going to come out of my mouth. You guys agree? If it's in your heart, it's going to come out of your mouth. The Bible says, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So now comes the question, if I don't protect my heart, I'm going to say the wrong thing, and then I'm going to get it. How many of us in the crisis have spoken the wrong thing and actually got what we asked for? Oh Lord, we are in big trouble now. This is coming, I have cancer. Yep, you got cancer. I'm going to die. Yep, I die. Come on, I've taught you enough to know that what you say is what you're going to get. The authority comes out of their mouth. So I need to know how to have peace in the midst of a storm to guard my heart to stop me from saying something stupid. Do you understand? So here's your process. I need peace to protect my heart to stop me from speaking wrong that will create And what's even worse is if somebody agrees with me when I speak rubbish. (laughs) I am in big trouble. Yes, I agree with you. The Bible says we do more agree upon one thing, it shall be established. Now I even have two people, and especially with Christians who have faith. 
Because now we have faith that you are going to be destroyed. <laughs> I'm not joking, it's not a joke. We do this all the time. This government's going down the toilet. Yes, I agree with you. And then next second we have all this trouble breaking loose. And we're going, why is it only breaking loose? Because all the Christians are in unity against something. We have got to change this. Now how many of you know that the key ingredient here is how do I get peace? (laughs) If I get peace, if peace is the key, it is going to protect me against my natural onslaughts. I have to have peace because that peace is going to guide me. Right, are you guys ready to learn how to get peace now? Okay, peace will guard my heart, will stop me from saying something that will establish the outcome of my life. Now, how do I get peace? Isaiah chapter 26 verse 3. Isaiah chapter 26. It says this, You will keep him in perfect peace. Okay, now that sounds like a good promise. Come on, I need to be stayed in perfect peace. You'll keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. If my mind is stayed on Jesus Christ, I will have perfect peace. Okay, now let's make it very practical. I'm sitting in a situation that... I am in a crisis, right? And I need some answers and there's natural things shouting at me. I need peace. But my mind is stayed on Jesus Christ. I love the Lord Jesus Christ. Every day I pray. Every day I try and do what I can. But this battle has come against me. I want to make it very practical for you. Let's go to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is probably going to be one of the most critical keys to your life. If you can get this thing right, you're going to see how your life is going to change. Alright, Galatians, just after Corinthians. In my Bible, it always moves. Galatians chapter 5, 22. And it says this, The fruit of the Spirit is the following, Love, joy, and peace. Okay, now, here's the key. If I want peace, I just have to let the Holy Spirit move in my life. If the Holy Spirit moves in my life, He will bring His own fruit. This is the fruit of the Holy Spirit, this is our fruit. I can't produce this. So I need to say, Holy Spirit, come and take control of my emotions, of my situation right now in Jesus' name. I'm, my mind's going mad, my heart's going mad. Before I speak, I want to let the Holy Spirit come and take control. Holy Spirit, bring me peace in the midst of the storm. And when I have peace, I start speaking what the Word says, not what I see. And when I start speaking what the Word says, the Bible says, then things start moving according to the Word. Remember then the angels start moving, all the other things start coming in line, all the spiritual stuff starts happening. But I have to start by allowing the Holy Spirit to give me a supernatural peace in the midst of a storm. So I want to tell you right now that you can be guided and you can be protected by the peace of the Holy Spirit if you allow Him to. 
The problem that we have is that we don't spend enough time and we don't put enough priority in the fact that the Holy Spirit must give us a God-given, Spirit-filled life in a natural world. We're using the natural senses and the natural way to fulfill and come to a conclusion or get to a solution or something. And we are not allowing a spiritual dimension of being led in a natural world. You are in this world, but you're not of this world. But most of us are of this world. We act exactly the same as the world, and we expect to have different results. And yet, we should be sitting down saying, Holy Spirit, you come and give me peace in the midst of this thing. I'll turn it spiritually. And I'll bring the spiritual into the natural. I will allow the power of God to change the natural. I want us to go to Colossians chapter 3. I hope this is helping you. Colossians chapter 3. I know that I give a lot of scripture, okay, but you guys can work through this at home. Verse 15. It says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Here we go again. Now it doesn't just guard and protect me according to Philippians. It rules my life. To which you were also called in one body and be thankful. Now what is the difference? Remember the one thing is to guard and protect me so that I don't end up with the wrong thing. Now I need the peace of God to rule my heart. What does it mean to rule your heart in a situation? Let me make it very practical for you. Peace does two things. Number one, it guards you from getting the natural senses to influence your heart. The second thing it can do, it can rule your heart. Now how does it rule my heart? It allows me to make a right decision when I'm not sure which way to go. Okay, let me help you with this. How many of you have had to make a decision in your life? Simple thing. Should I take a new job? Should I leave town? Um, should I marry this person? Should I, you know, whatever decision. Who's ever had to make a decision in your life? I'll be very happy if you never put up your hand. I'm one of those who never had to decide anything, just went with the wind. Yeah, I faked it until I made it. But listen, when you've got to make a decision, who has ever got to a place where you're not sure which way to go? Come on, you've got to make a decision, you're not sure which one to take. There's two paths. And I'm not sure which one to go. Let me tell you something, that the Bible is very clear. That the peace of God can rule my heart. And so all I have to do is say, God, I've got to make this decision. Here's the two options, I'm not sure which one. I go, okay God, I'm going to go with this one. I settle on this one. And then I check, do I have peace about this or not? Then I go on this one. And I say, God, do I have peace, yes or no? And the one that you have peace about, you do. You see, I have moved towns simply by the peace of God, and that's it. I've never had a direct word from God. Not once did God say, Arthur, I need you to move to Pretoria. And I want you to take your family, lock, stock and barrel, and move. I never did that at all. I never had a prophetic word. I never had anything like that. All I did was I went before God. I said, God, do I have peace about this? Yes or no? Yes, I have peace. Okay, fine. Let's go. When I moved to Kenton, same story. Do I have peace about this? Yes, I do. Let's go. 
Okay? So you must understand that God can guide you and rule your heart by peace if we allow Him to. And simply, how do I do that? Allow the Holy Spirit in your daily walk to lead you and guide you. Because when He does, He will bring the fruit with Him. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that will give you a peace in the midst of a storm. Everything will be going crazy around you and you will be a total peace knowing that God is in control and that He's going to sort it out. And you'll be sleeping well while the rest of the people around you are busy panicking. The disciples are going mad. Jesus is sleeping. And when they disturb Him, He still rebukes them. He still had time to rebuke Him. Listen, this is how calm He was about it. He rebukes Him first before He sorts out the storm. He did not go, peace be still, and then turn around and rebuke them. He sort of rebuked them straight away. He says, listen, ye of little faith. And oh, by the way, you know, peace, storm be still. So I want you to know that you can be in the biggest crisis and have the total peace of God and speak the right things and have the right actions no matter how tough it's going if you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life. And do not fall for being carnally minded. It's going to bring death to you. How does it bring death? The five senses are going to bring negative things into your heart and it's going to come out of your mouth and you're going to call it onto your own life. How many of us need to repent? Of lots of negative words that we have spoken over our lives. Come on, we have spoken some dumb stuff. How many of us have got what we said? And there we go, where did that come from? Well, you've given full authority over to the devil by saying, I am going bankrupt. The devil goes, sure, I'll help you. You've just allowed him full access into your life. Because the Bible is very clear. That every human being has full authority on this earth. Whatever you say, you will have. Not even every Christian, every human being has authority on this earth. So let's pray. Lord, I just pray for every single person tonight in the name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that we will get to the place where we will have the peace of God in our hearts. And Lord, that will, that the peace of God will guard our hearts and rule our lives in Jesus' name. Lord, that every decision we need to make, Lord, that it will be made out of peace in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I thank you for the plan and the purpose that you have for each one of us. And Lord, I pray right now that we will not neglect the authority authority that you've given us. Lord, that we will look after our boundaries properly. And Lord, that we will stop every single attack in Jesus' name. And Lord, whenever there is a storm, Father, I pray that we will allow the Holy Spirit to rise up within us and bring us a supernatural peace. Lord, knowing that you are in control. Lord, that our hearts will be guarded. That we will not speak the wrong things and create the wrong outcome. But Lord, that we will speak according to your word. And Lord, that we will release the power according to your word and Lord that we will never be the same again in Jesus mighty name Amen Amen